Sometimes I call myself the translator. So this is where my technical background comes in handy because I can take everything the engineers are talking about and dumb it down for the clinicians. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Dumb It Down podcast, breaking down the disconnect between school and work for engineers. Today I'm joined by Jess Rose, a longtime friend of mine who grew up playing high school soccer in the Atlanta area and was preceded by both of her parents and her older brother being engineers. Her mother steered her to industrial and systems engineering, which led her to NC State University, where I met her and where she eventually Completed her degree, studied abroad in Prague, and then got a job in healthcare. Jess has worked at Premier Healthcare in Charlotte and is now with a healthcare division of GE. So tune in to learn more about that. I certainly learned a lot more about healthcare from talking to Jess. Enjoy. Good evening, Jess. Welcome Good to evening. the Dumb It Down podcast. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You've got a very cozy backdrop. I'm sure it's cold in Denver and looks like it a good is. place to be. I even see a degree. Uh, yeah, it's a certificate actually, but yeah, this is my office, my home office. Yeah. Prepared for the virtual world we work in. For sure. Well, welcome to the podcast. Jess and I go way back, just like most of the guests I've had on so far. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about school and work. But first, kind of how Jess and I got to know each other was, I guess, filling some gaps here. I know it was freshman year. I know it was through a couple of mutual friends. I don't think it was out of state people. What was what was the initial thing? I think it was um, uh, camping for UNC tickets. That's Camp right. out. Yeah. That's when I met a bunch of people. I had classes with Kevin and then got introduced to your whole crew at a camp out freshman year. <laughs> the camp out for UNC tickets. It was freezing. It was yeah. like right down the street, I guess, from our dorms. And I had a big group of friends in our dorm. And then Jess met a couple of our friends in her dorm. And then we all kind of meshed together. And very quickly, Jess was an integral part of the uh, friend group because she plans... <laughs> and that's very helpful. No one else was doing any of that. And uh, and because she's awesome. Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's a long time ago. And then, of course, we met lots of other friends. And Jess was in engineering and I was in engineering. And most of our friend group probably knew of us by the end of college, at least the engineering group, whether whether good or bad. Hopefully good. Hopefully good. All good, of course. <laughs> Well, cool. Well, thanks for joining, Jess. Um, I guess we'll just, we'll start with square one. So right. Jess, you're in high school, you're in the Georgia area. Um, I know you played soccer, but what was, yep. uh, what was, what was high school senior Jess like? Oh, high school senior Jess. Uh, I played a lot of soccer. Um, fall, I played club. Spring, I played high school soccer. So, and then beyond that, I took like all AP classes. So if you weren't in my AP classes or on the soccer team, I probably didn't hang out with you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was kind of what my life revolved around was just soccer and uh, academics, I guess, and trying to get into college and touring colleges and some football games too. I used to go to those in high school. There we go. That's about it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I guess now that I'm thinking about it, your parents were both engineers. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, both my parents are engineers. They're both electrical engineers. Um, and actually, my brother is also an engineer, also an electrical engineer. So we got a whole right. family. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. That's funny because your older brother I've met a couple times now. He was an engineer. He probably paved the way a little bit. But it sounds like your parents were probably mentioning at least engineering from an early age. Is that accurate? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Did you know like anything about what engineering was? 
Um, you know, I knew some from like what my parents did, but my parents do very different things for having the same degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad's kind of like the tried and true electrical engineer. He does controls work. He still works today for Johnson and Johnson. Uh, my brother actually kind of followed in his path. And then my mom took her electrical engineering degree and went down the business side of things. So she did a lot of different things in her career, sales to, um, product development. Ultimately, like she found her home in product management and, um, ended up being an executive at the end towards the end of her career. Um, so I got to see like how you could apply engineering in a lot of different ways growing up. Yeah, that's, that's a good point because I feel like everyone I've talked to, it's like one track or the other. And most people so far have gone like more business side, uh, where you just have this degree and this background, but there's a lot of people that kind of grow up tinkering with things and working on cars and, you know, really have that engineering kind of project mentality. And I'm pretty sure that your dad and brother, that's like what they did. It was like hands-on yeah. stuff, even at home, right? Like, like projects and yes. stuff. Yeah. I used to always say my dad is quite literally the jack of all trades because he went to electrical engineering school and he paid for his schooling by building homes. And then he learned everything he knows about cars from my grandfather, um, whom I never got the opportunity to meet, but he literally knows everything and tries to do every home project, which I know makes my mom a little frustrated (laughs) because he doesn't have the time to do it. But my brother is very much the same way too. Just learned from my dad over the years. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Like, yeah. Why, why pay for this when I could do it myself? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah. My, my dad was actually a paper science engineer in school, which I always forgot about because he switched careers and went in a completely different direction, but he's somewhere between like, I should definitely just pay and get this done for the big projects. But there's some, some little handy things that he does and has passed along to me a little bit. So that's cool. That's but excellent. yeah, like I never had we weren't like tinkering with cars. Like half the engineers I met in school were like growing up, like knowing more about engineering coming into school than I learned the whole time. Yeah. I think, I mean, it definitely helps when you have a parent that's tinkering with stuff. Um, you just kind of naturally learn from them. Actually, it's one of my biggest regrets from my childhood is <laughs> not paying more attention to what my dad was doing, like tinkering on cars and things like that. I learned some things, but mm-hmm. nowhere near what my brother learned from him and you know, you can't get that time back. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Yeah. Might've, might've saved you some money in the long run or just, yeah. just get still dad. <laughs> true. Um, cool. Yeah. So, so that, that kind of sets the, sets the path here. So Jess had a lot of engineering in her genes, in her direction and ended up applying to a bunch of schools. I'm sure. I think your brother went to Georgia. No, he went to West Virginia. Yep. Yep. And then you were looking at NC State. Were you looking at a concentration? Like, how did you decide on NC State? Yeah, I was. Um, I looked at a lot of places all across the Southeast: um, Auburn, Georgia Tech, being in my backyard, uh, Clemson, Virginia Tech, and NC State. Um, never wanted to go to school at Georgia Tech. It's a great school. I know it. that was like the number one question I always got. Um, but it was in my backyard, and I've always been about going somewhere new and having a new experience. And I wanted to step outside my comfort zone for college. Um, So it really wasn't my top choice, even though um, it would have more or less been free with the Hope Scholarship that they offer students in Georgia. Um, Mm. But I toured all the schools. Uh, My mom actually went with me on all of our tours senior year. And I actually really liked Clemson. Um, really thought I wanted to go to school there, but it's out of state tuition is ridiculously expensive. Um, and my final tour was at NC state. It was spring break of my senior year. Yeah. Go pack. Um, spring break of my senior year. And, uh, I really loved everything when we went there. I love that it was in Raleigh. I actually, um, went to a tour, um, with the engineering ambassadors, which I later became one in, in school. Um, and I just had a great time. And then I made my decision quite, quite late in the year for most people, but, um, yeah, that's kind of how I ended up at NC state and have no regrets. I loved all of my time at NC state, made a lot of great friends. Um, yeah. So, 
that's how it ended up there. Nice. Yeah, yeah. NC State, we've got a couple out-of-state friends. I mean, the, the in-state tuition makes so much sense at a lot of schools, but it's nice that North Carolina has uh, great schools, period, and then they're pretty inexpensive, relatively speaking, so we could welcome some out-of-state students, at least at State. Chapel Hill is so ridiculous, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, screw them. But anyway, uh, so yes, Jess just made the trek up to Raleigh, made the move to NC State, Came in as an engineering undeclared, I would assume, and I think everyone did. Yep, I did. I had I kind of had my eye on industrial engineering at the time, um, but obviously I still went through all the steps that everyone else did, made sure that was the direction that I wanted to go. Yeah, what did you know about it and why did you go that direction? Well, really... Um, kind of came from my mom. So I, you know, I told you how my mom went down the business side of engineering. Um, she was new to engineering. She was, um, you know, one of the only female engineering students when she graduated from West Virginia in 1981. And, um, she didn't know much about all the different types of engineering degrees. So she chose electrical, um, and side note, she had like 35 job offers when she graduated, by the way, (laughs) it's just ridiculous. Um, but anyway, she always says if she could go back and redo it, she would have done industrial engineering because it gave her the technical background she would have needed to do her job. But with some of the more like process business concepts, um, to help you succeed in the business world. Uh, and I kind of liked that and kind of liked the direction that she took in her career. And so I did have my mindset on that for that particular reason. And I never really wanted to do the, you know, heavy technical stuff like my dad and brother do, but I knew that engineering would open a lot of doors for me. So that's kind of why I had my heart on industrial engineering kind of from the start. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I feel like it's a little lesser known. So having someone with experience pushing you in that direction helps a lot. And I know industrial came on some other, we, we had a bunch of friends that did it, came on their radars too, but I can't say it was as well publicized as some of the other ones. It was a smaller school. It was a newer school, uh, which I think probably helped your whole program and, and why you probably enjoyed it a lot was because it was small and um, yeah. could, could shift quickly. And I think mechanical was a lot more traditional. For sure. Anyway, I've already gone down that path on this before. Vlad actually <laughs> said something similar. He said he would have done industrial, and that's oh, what I nice. say too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I say it's like the term of industrial engineering is kind of vague, right? And all the other ones, it's like, okay, chemical. All right. Yeah. You're going to do stuff with chemicals and <laughs> mechanical. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like industrial yeah. is just like, industrial, like you think you're going to be locked away in some manufacturing facility for the rest of your life, but that's not true. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's, that is something I, I thought of, I guess. You are mechanical. You can go to a plant. Industrial sounded like you had to go to a plant, but right, not the case. Not the case at all. <laughs> industrial and systems engineering. I guess that's maybe the key word there, but yes, that's true. Cool. So yeah, you got into the engine or the industrial engineering school, started working from those core classes into more of the technical classes, I guess. You guys had your little click and you were on main campus <laughs> instead of Centennial. Um, but yeah, yeah, I guess things ended up working out. You approaching senior year, you were looking at the workforce. You weren't really thinking of graduate degree or anything, right? What was your no. what were your thoughts at that time? I wanted to make the money. (laughs) Uh, No, I, I always kind of thought I would maybe go to grad school eventually, um, when I back in undergrad. Um, but I definitely liked the idea of, of working and figuring out what it was I wanted to do before I went and focused on a graduate degree, um, which I haven't gotten yet. So (laughs) I don't know if I ever will. Yeah. Yeah. Not super necessary, depending on what you want to do. But right, if you're going to the business world, then I've considered an MBA. I'm not sure if that's the degree you would get, but. I've considered that too. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any internships and stuff that like 
also led you a direction or what did you do yeah, for those? I did. Um, I had a couple internships. I actually interned after my freshman year in a for a banking company, um, didn't like it too much. And then after my sophomore year, um, I was exploring other internship opportunities, went to the career fair, did all that, had a few offers. Um, and my advisor at the time, um, also sent me a posting for a job, uh, an internship at a company called Premier. And it's in, which is a healthcare company. Um, they actually started as a group purchasing organization in the supply chain world. Um, but they do a lot with data as well. Uh, and like process improvement work. Um, and I applied, I thought it sounded interesting. Um, and I had a really great interview with who would end up being my boss that summer. Um, so I had a few offers to choose from and I ended up going with Premier on a whim, knew nothing about healthcare and how I could apply it at the time. Um, but I just like felt like I had a really good connection <laughs> during this interview, which is why I decided, and it was in Charlotte for the summer. Okay. Um, so I got to go, you know, live in Charlotte, um, versus some other like small town at a manufacturing facility. Um, so yeah, I chose it. Um, and I fell in love with healthcare that summer. Um, I also can't believe he chose me cause I was a sophomore at the time. And I heard there was like several other juniors applying and wow. there was one available and he chose me. I have no idea why to this day I should go back and ask him <laughs> still keep in touch with him. But yeah, so I, um, I had such a great uh, time that summer. I came back to NC state in the fall, my junior year then, um, and, NC State Industrial Engineering Program offers a health systems concentration. It's actually one of two schools uh, at the time, I guess it was two schools. I don't know if there's any more now, but two schools that offered a health systems uh, concentration, if you will. So um, I thought that was kind of a unique opportunity to learn more specifically about health systems. Um, so instead of my like normal senior design for the year, I took a health system senior design, um, and got to be like very focused on the healthcare industry, healthcare terms, um, and things like that. And I actually did a project down at UNC healthcare in Chapel Hill. So, hmm. um, yeah, so I kind of fell into healthcare, uh, and no regrets. I'm obviously still in it and I love it. That's yeah. I I honestly forgot or didn't remember or didn't ask all of those years ago uh, that you actually went a, a direction with some coursework. Was that a concentration under ISE? Yes. Yeah. It was. Okay. So I graduated with like a separate certificate, not the one that's on my shelf, but a one that looks similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's all you said. Uh, you kind of came across the application because the mentor put it on your desk or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She, her and I, um, I used to help with a lot of ISE recruiting events and things like that. And so, um, you know, when you're like a sophomore, you're still exploring all the options. Um, and she was the one that kind of introduced me to healthcare. Um, and she actually now works in the healthcare industry. She's not an advisor at NC State anymore or a professor there anymore. Um, so I think she had some interest in that and probably saw that I would have some interest in it too. I, at least that's what I think anyway. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Saw some of herself in you. So yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Jess was one of my annoying college friends who had all of the connections and did all of the events <laughs> and was recruiting engineering ambassador and yeah, made me feel bad, but that, that's good. It's good to be well connected. The career fair, I think, led a lot of us in the direction that we did, whether it was the resources or the actual fair. That's how I got into my first job. Just, yeah. How else are you supposed to know? Oh, I like healthcare. Oh, I like, you know, technology yeah, and buildings. Yeah. yeah. I always like to tell people it's okay to not like your internship because then you learn what you don't like. And sometimes that's even better than knowing or finding something you do like, you know? That's a good point. My first internship was like design and just on a computer and I was not a fan. So cool. So you got the health system certificate. So you must have been super marketable after college, especially if that's, you know, a, a certificate that's not offered very many places. 
did you return to Premiere for other summers or try some other things and then choose them for the first job? How did that go? Um, well, I actually we had I had one more summer uh, between my junior and senior year, and I had always wanted to study abroad. Um, but being an out of state student, I really it was uh, I had to be able to afford it. Um, and I actually got that opportunity my last summer of college. So instead of interning, I decided to do the study abroad thing, um, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend study abroad to anyone. I know you did one too. So you're a big fan of study abroad as well. Um, I am. Yeah. Jess went yeah. to Prague. She had a great time. I could tell. Yeah. And I took a global supply chain class uh, there, which was pretty interesting. It was actually part of the industrial engineering curriculum. curriculum. Um, and then I took like a gen ed class. So that was pretty fun. Yeah. That was like an industrial specific study abroad program. Is that right? Yeah, NC State has um, like a sister university in Prague, usually for the design school. Um, But the same advisor who got me into healthcare actually started the program for industrial engineering uh, to do a study abroad class there uh, with that that class uh, being taught. So I think they still do it. I'm pretty sure they do. Maybe not during COVID. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. COVID squandered lots of opportunities for people, but glad you got a chance to do it. And I did too. Yeah. When I did mine, it was just general Spanish classes as an excuse to study abroad. But Jess's sounds like it was a little more focused and productive. So that's good too. Yeah, it was kind of cool. We actually, she arranged tours of some of the manufacturing facilities. So we went to a Skoda car uh, manufacturing facility outside of Prague, which was really cool to see. I had never been in a car plant before. Um, and it was really clean. That's all I remember. Well, I remember more about it than that, but I remember that it was really <laughs> clean and they had a lot of robots. Um, and then like conversely, we went to the Boudvar beer, uh, plant and there was just broken glass everywhere and like water streaming on the ground because it's been there. It's like this very old plant that's been there for years. Huh. Yeah. Oh, so those were both plants and one was spick and span and one was a mess. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, Shameless plug. If you're interested in cars, BMW episode two with Vlad Derosh. (laughs) Nice. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. So Prague. Yeah. Prague was, I, I visited once. It's a lovely city with a great exchange rate. So probably a good place to go if you're a student too. I remember getting $1 beers, like big beers. Yeah. Which was pretty great. <laughs> That's a steal. Yeah. And Jess has done her fair share of traveling afterward too. She's definitely got the travel bug. Um, cool. So, so now after senior year, you went to premiere, but was that a tough decision or was that kind of a layup? I think it was kind of an easy decision. Um, I applied, I had a few job offers, um, like one in manufacturing and then a couple in the consulting world and a couple in healthcare slash consulting. So, um, what I was always kind of intrigued by consulting as well. Um, and then premier has a branch of consulting. So they do specific healthcare consulting, um, which sounded really cool to me. Um, to be able to apply the healthcare knowledge and then essentially go do process improvement work in hospitals. So um, that was the one I really wanted. Uh, and I got the job. It was the lowest paying job offer I got actually. Mm. Um, but I loved the company and uh, I wanted to go work for them and I did. And no regrets. I stayed there for like five years. So Cool. Was that hiring manager the same boss you had or someone else? It was someone else. Um, but he definitely, you know, helped me to, to get the job, you know, put in a good word for me, connected with, connected me with some of the individuals in the consulting arm. Uh, so I could get a good idea of, of what work was like there. And I had met some people, uh, while I was interning that also were in that branch, um, of that company. So I had a good feel for what to expect. I see. So you had a feel for the company, but not necessarily, you hadn't worked on projects in that arm before. You just thought you might find consulting cool. 
Yeah. So my internship was heavily focused around uh, some of their data platforms and doing some things with data, um, which was really cool, like creating dashboards and analyzing different things, right? And uh, getting my feet wet to learn the terminology in in healthcare and what what they care about in healthcare, like quality-wise and things like that. Um, And so the consulting branch... um, kind of applied, we did a lot of stuff with data still. So we'd take the hospital's data, but then we would go into hospitals and tell them, you know, these are the opportunities we see that you have. And then we'd actually work with them in doing some process improvement projects to improve those outcomes. Um, you know, whether that's like, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things in healthcare, uh, I won't bore you with that hospitals pay attention to, but things like length of stay and mortality rates, readmission rates, Um, and then all the way to like labor management and making sure you have the appropriate staffing levels to meet your patient demand. Um, and then supply chain obviously is a big one too, making sure, um, you're not overspending or underspending or wasting supplies. Waste is definitely a big thing in hospitals. So yeah, lots of stuff with data. Yeah. Were they looking for an industrial engineer for that position or a general engineer or just a business major? What made you a good choice? Um, they definitely had industrial engineering listed on their application. Um, there was five of us that actually started the same summer I did. Um, four out of the five of us were industrial engineers. Uh, cool. The fifth one was a supply chain major. So okay, a little bit of both. But he specifically went and worked on the supply chain side. I uh, actually got to work on our quality consulting um, team, which was really fun for me. Very cool. Yeah, I remember consulting kind of being on my radar because Deloitte seemed like a cool company and consulting just seems like this cool concept of like, oh, I could just go help slash tell other people what they should be doing. And then I had the behavioral style interview. I forget what they call it. And I just had no idea what was happening. They were like, guess this. (laughs) or Yeah, so I guess that wasn't the fit for me. But uh, seem to work out for you, whether that's what Premier did or not. Yeah. I, I don't remember a behavioral interview, actually. Um, I That was big in some of the really big companies. Right. And yeah, I didn't go. Um, Premier is a mid-sized company. It's grown since I joined it in 2014. But um, yeah, it, they didn't do that kind of thing, which I'm kind of glad they didn't. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it was, I don't know how necessary it is, but it's it's interesting. Maybe throw in a, a question or two in there, but anywho, so you moved to Charlotte at that point. Is that correct? I stayed in Raleigh for a year and then I decided, you know, my, I moved around as a kid and, you know, I went to NC State, wanted something new, right? And I think I've always kind of followed that path in my, into my adult life. Um, so I was ready for a new city. So I moved to Charlotte a year after graduating, but kept the same job because okay. consulting, um, I traveled a lot and I worked remote before it was cool to work remote. <laughs> yeah. And then, right. And then you came down to Charlotte. That's right. Yeah. And then another couple of years in the same position in the same branch, still doing a bunch of traveling, I'm sure, but generally like the job, it was what you expected. Yeah, I um I had a couple promotions, so I got to own more and more pieces of my projects. Um, so my last position I held there, I got to essentially run my own projects with my customers, which was um, a lot of fun to me to be, you know, the one that has that customer ownership and then running the show somewhat. There you go. <laughs> yeah, it's always good to run the show. Better than being told what to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. What was your title at that point? A uh, senior performance partner. Okay. That, that could be worse. I feel like titles nine times out of 10 are absolutely titles, ridiculous. I will, oh, Okay. I need to say this so that your listeners here, titles don't mean anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had, I mean, as a, as a senior, you like don't understand what a title is. And then when you start like, seeing what other people get, you're like, okay, I kind of understand there's some structure, even in your own company, like, oh, there's directors of VPs and you kind of piece it together. And then 
you know, five years out of school, everyone's just all over the place. Like I'm a director and it means nothing. It's just, yeah. I work for a small company and yeah, it's, I, I think it, well, and then, you know, besides the level, it's like what the words that come after it are generally meaningless as well. Right. Right. I mean, well, and like, you know, your friend might be at the vice president level, but don't think that that means you're behind in your career by any means, because Bank of America, for instance, has probably about 100,000 vice presidents in their organization because they make everyone a VP. <laughs> right. Make them sound important. And it yeah. works, I guess. <laughs> but it can make other people feel like they're behind, I feel like. And that's why I hate I hate titles. I mean, they're, yeah. I mean, they're necessary, sure. But um, they're, they're also kind of frustrating because they're not streamlined across companies. So don't compare your title to someone else's outside of your company. All right, Jess, with the hot takes, I feel like there's some <laughs> some personal stuff brewing there, but we won't we won't get into that. Someone someone's definitely like told you that they uh, they had a superior title before, and you were like, actually, yeah, I could I could think of someone. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we won't get into it. Um, cool. Well, despite all of the good things at that job, um, you eventually decided to take another position. What uh, what caused that shakeup? Well, I'd done consulting for five years, made a lot of contacts, um, and seen a lot of stuff in healthcare, right? And then um, I, what Premier had in data, they didn't have in like disruptive technologies. And I really liked the idea of going to work for technology that was, you know, doing something disruptive in the healthcare industry, um, doing something different and new and exciting. Um, and you know, not just like the data will always be important and process improvement will always be important, but, um, you know, healthcare is kind of one of the last industries to adopt technology and that's happening right now. Um, there's all kinds of cool new technologies out there. Um, so I actually started looking at, uh, startups. I thought it'd be really cool to go work for a startup somewhere. Um, and I, did the opposite and came to GE Healthcare, <laughs> which is one, one of the largest companies. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I followed a couple old co coworkers uh, to my current role. Um, so that's why, you know, the connections you make are important. I 100% got my job because I knew people. Um, mm -hmm they passed over like a hundred other applicants. I'm not kidding. I was told this after I got hired and I was like, I don't know if I'm deserving of this or not, but <laughs> thank yeah. you. Um, but yeah, I followed a couple colleagues here and it was this cool new platform in their disruptive technology space um, that, you know, was going to change the way we do healthcare in many ways and improve the outcomes of patient lives. And I thought it sounded really cool. And it was like working for a little mini startup within a huge organization, which um, it definitely feels like that on many days. Uh, we definitely do feel like a startup still. Uh, I wear many hats many times, but then of course you, you do still deal with the large corporate drama that you have Red at tea. most. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, this has to get approved before you can send it to a customer, kind of thing. And I'm like, ah, how long is that going to take? <laughs> gotcha. That's that's interesting because Chris just said, you know, he was with a big company and then kind of wanted to work for a startup, and I kind of thought the same thing. Granted, you know, startups aren't the be all end all either, but it sounds like you you made a good transition, kind of picked a good spot, even though it's a large organization and still focused on healthcare and still had a similar role or what's like your, you still like managing projects? Yeah, I do program management now, um, which is, I mean, it's similar to project management, um, but it's like project management a little bit on steroids. Um, so I own our overall implementation of our platform with our customers, but I also own like our overall customer relationship um, for our platform. So um you know, managing all of the, not just like standing up the platform, but also like all of the um, it, new versions that we push out every year and all the new things that we're adding on to it, all the new, like we're, we're pushing it into new spaces across the hospital. So it truly is kind of like a program with lots of mini projects. Mm -hmm. um, What's the platform? 
Oh, yeah. It's called Mural. Um, software, okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a software platform. It basically aggregates a lot of desperate data systems across uh, a hospital. And you can apply it in many ways. Uh, so we have a virtual ICU platform for um, virtual critical care. Um where it uh, aggregates all this data and applies it to some algorithms into what we call bundles um, that will alert someone sitting in a room that this patient um, in bed one is deteriorating or something's changed on their ventilator and they need to be, um, they probably could be, you know, extubated or something like that. So um, there's lots of different it's that's the clinical decision support piece of it um and then there's audio visual technology in the room so you can have two-way communication back and forth from the room um in this particular one where we're applying it um they're a big hub hospital in a downtown urban area and the rest of the state is very urban or sorry, very rural. And so we're currently expanding this platform to include lots of the different rural hospitals so that they can have um, better access to care from this main hospital. I see. It's pretty cool. And then we have other, uh, we're trying to expand it into other areas. So we recently deployed it to the labor and delivery space, um, which is really cool. So it's a, the clinical decision support platform piece of it is used actually on the unit um, where moms are delivering babies and they get uh, monitored for hemorrhage hypertension and oxytocin management, uh, which probably mean nothing to you and that's okay. Um, (laughs) hemorrhaging sounds bad. (laughs) Yes. It's like bleeding out, um, which is really bad and that causes a lot of maternal deaths. So what a lot of people don't know is that the U S has the worst maternal outcomes out of any developed country in the world. Uh, so we are trying to help fix that issue by providing the clinical decision support that's alerting clinicians to do something about it before it gets too late. So we've seen really amazing results at our pilot hospital for that platform. And then I'm currently working um, to integrate it with my main customer, uh, which has the virtual ICU. So we'll deploy the technology across the hospital in different areas too. So Oh boy. Well, that sounds super cool. Um, I'm going to try to dumb it down and see if I retained anything. (laughs) So the platform aggregates data from like the systems that it's installed in. And when it pulls it together, it like suggests what other rural hospitals should do just based on the aggregation of data. Is it like telling doctors what to do or is it making decisions just the platform itself? Just the platform itself. So there's algorithms built into it that'll notice exactly the second that a temperature changes or the heartbeat changes or the blood pressure changes that is alerting to something potentially critical happening. Um, Yeah. Or in some cases, it's like a patient could be extubated so they could go off of the ventilator, um, which is not necessarily like, you know, correcting a bad outcome, but it's helping the patient progress. Right. But, um, so yeah, it, it alerts, uh, clinicians to some of those changes right away. And then the person sitting behind the screen for the virtual ICU scenario can then go investigate and make sure that that's, you know, truly happening. And then they can call someone that's on the floor taking care of the patient and be like, Hey, I noticed this, this, and this, you should really do this or something like push a medication or, you know, whatever. I'm not a clinician, so I don't know all of that jargon, but, um, I'm sure it's technical. Yeah. Yeah. So the, Virtual ICU, someone like additional is sitting there and basically watching this platform or getting alerted. And then yep. they're the one who goes and helps the decision making of each doctor and nurse that's on the floor. Yep, exactly. Okay. And then for the like the labor application, that would be the same thing. It'd be a virtual. <laughs> well, labor that one, monitor. we actually put a screen onto the unit um, gotcha. so that everyone on the unit can see and get alerted. Everything has a color to it. So red, green, yellow, um, obviously red being bad. So it's alerting you to something that you should go correct. 
um, yellow, uh, you know, is it's getting to that point where it could be bad. So um, those are actually on the unit for people to see. We also have the ability to build in a like a text notification um, to uh, clinicians' phones. So if somebody changes to red, we could say. Uh, like alert uh, this nurse's phone that their patient has now, you know, lost X amount of blood and is at risk for hemorrhaging or something like that. So. Gotcha. And it's based on like big data where it knows all of this previous data when the outcomes of how people ended up and can make recommendations based on that. Yeah. That's our biggest challenges is getting all of the data, uh, especially when we work and even large hospitals that you would expect to have some of this data integration don't. It's quite alarming sometimes, but especially the rural hospitals where everything is manually charted. Everything is, you know, nothing is integrated. They're on these ancient uh, monitors or something like that. Like I literally had to Google a monitor that some hospital was using because I had never heard of it <laughs> and they were only available on eBay. Oh my gosh. So they're yeah. just like obsolete. Yeah. But I mean, um, that's kind of the cool part about my job is I get to go figure out how we're going to integrate all the data. Um, and, you know, work with our engineering team and our, um, network architecture guy to figure out what this looks like. And then I, sometimes I call myself the translator. So this is where my technical background comes in handy because I can take everything the engineers are talking about and dumb it down for hey. the clinicians. <laughs> so, um, interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you like it. Sounds like you're making a difference. Hopefully that maternal death rate continues to reduce. Yeah. Hopefully I'll keep you posted. Help. Yeah. Well, do you think it's like a data issue or like a sanitation issue or just a lot of other different issues? I think it's a lot of things. Um, one is the clinicians are so busy taking care of multiple patients that they don't immediately see like trends in patients, um, that an algorithm notices or that, you know, a person sitting behind a screen can literally look at a graph and see deterioration over time. Um, so yeah, I think it's a lot of the busyness that you get from the bedside team from noticing that. Um, and then particularly in the, um, labor and delivery space for the maternal outcomes, a lot of that is linked to lack of access to good care in rural environments. Um, and then a focus on the baby once the baby is born and not on the mother. So most of the time things happen because the mom got forgotten about, you know, or some like something's happening after they've already given birth. So Wow. We continue to monitor after they've given birth. <laughs> I would hope so. Yeah, no, some some scary outcomes there. Well, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you could go on about that. That's pretty interesting. But to kind of tie your uh, engineering point, do you think that, like you, you don't use industrial engineering on a day-to-day basis as far as like calculations go, but do you think you'd be where you were without, like with choosing a different degree or maybe like, where do you think you'd be? Yeah, that's a good question. I I don't know. So it, I am a big proponent of engineering for like opening doors in general. Um, I think it's one of the best undergrad degrees you can get because it opens the doors to do whatever you want because you got through a really tough major and that means something to a lot of employers. Um, so even if you take your first job out of school and you realize you don't like engineering, you still have this really applicable background that you can go a lot of ways in. Um, and I think, you know, having that engineering degree for my first job did get my foot in the door to do, you know, something pretty cool in consulting. Um, and yeah, that obviously just paved the way for the rest of my career and meeting some of the people I've, I've met, um, which now ultimately got me to my current role. So, and then, yeah, I think the technical background, I do apply a lot. I do like a lot of networking stuff now, which I didn't, I guess I technically didn't learn in school, but, like um, IT networking. yeah, yeah. But I mean, the technical concepts are there, like learning how to problem solve or ask the right questions, um, you know, some of that 
you get from the undergrad. So I think I would still do industrial engineering if I went back to school today. And uh, I do think it helped me get to where I am. Cool. Shout yeah. out Edward P. Fitz, Industrial School of yeah. Engineering. The new building, uh, so industrial engineering has now moved over to Centennial Campus, which is exciting. And I went back to NC State the other weekend, and that new building is pretty sick. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't get the chance to go to Centennial. We were just back for a football game, Jess and me and a couple other friends. But yeah, Centennial Campus is crazy now. Yeah. Pretty state-of-the-art. Pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Hunt Library. Cool. Well, Jess, um, I've got a couple like just standard questions I ask people. Is there anything else on your career arc that you'd like to share? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I guess, oh, I was thinking about this. Okay. My one piece of advice to people um, when applying for jobs, don't think that you have to meet every requirement on a job posting to apply for it. Because someone once told me if you met every single requirement for job posting, that means you're overqualified for the job because you already know how to do everything in that role. Uh, so basically, as long as you you know are willing to learn and capable of meeting those requirements in the near future, then apply for the job. And I feel like that um, when when someone told me that, I looked at job postings differently and applied for some roles that... Um, you know, I initially never thought I would have gotten because I never thought I met the requirements, but you don't have to meet all the requirements for a job posting. So that would be my one piece of advice for people seeking jobs. That's a good point. Yeah. A lot of times the requirement is like a bachelor's degree. Sometimes it's engineering. And other than that, it's probably pretty murky in what they actually require or not. So yeah, very cool. All right. Well, a, a quick Q&A for you. All right. Uh, this is probably my favorite one. I'm not sure if you have something prepared. <laughs> well, what's been your biggest screw up? Oh, my biggest screw up actually recently happened um, in the last well, year. I know. I know. Well, I'm not happy, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, without getting too like technical about it, um, we were reprogramming a router at a hospital um, to point to a different IP address. And, uh, it was already in production and using, you know, it was sending bedside alarms to phones. So clinicians were getting alerted. Um, and we were replacing one of those IP addresses and I screwed up which one we were replacing. And long story short, they ended up replacing the one that was in production with the new one. And we meant to keep that one. Um, so basically all of the alarms to phones went down across this hospital, Oof. which is a really big deal. Uh, and I will say this is a secondary alarming system, right? So <laughs> they still had all of the monitors in the rooms were still going off. All of the central stations were still going off. Um, which was like kind of what comforted me at the end of this, like realizing I was like, okay, well, I didn't, I didn't make it so that like anyone died, you know, right. but, um, <laughs> but it was still pretty bad. And I had the like head of it calling me like, what the hell happened? And I had to explain to him that I made a mistake and that, you know, we fixed it obviously. Um, but he wanted like better resolution. So, you know, I committed to like making the processes better from our end so that that requires like multiple sign-offs and verification from the customer side and everything like that before those changes get put in place, which was, you know, some steps that were missed in all of that. So that was definitely my biggest screw up in my career. <laughs> I felt Ooh, so yeah. bad. <laughs> That's scary. Yeah. Well, when you're yeah. working in a critical environment, you can make mistakes and they're yeah. and not life-threatening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously that would have been really horrible if it was like all of the alarms, but there's a lot of checks and balances put in place for um, like primary medical devices. So those things don't happen. Um, mm. This is just a secondary one. Um, I say that just, but, um, I, well, I think, you know, you learn from your mistakes and as long as you can learn from your mistakes, it's okay to make them. And I realize that like 
this guy was, he totally understood, you know, he was very mad because he got called in to take care of this and off hours. And, mm. um, but you know, when I worked with him to find resolution and ensure that it wouldn't happen again by finding some resolution, you know, learning from our mistakes, he was very satisfied and said, you know, thanked me at the end of the day. So I think, nice. you know, a lot of times people think their scripts are big, but as long as you learn from them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good that's a good trend I'm hearing. But yeah, taking accountability and making the process better seems like a a good solution too. Uh, granted, now I'm thinking about just nurses who, if they make a mistake, things might yeah. be way worse. That's a stressful yeah. job. I do not envy that. So stressful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Hopefully, no one thinks less of you now. I hope. Um, not. <laughs> a couple more. So so. Uh, Chris kind of asked me this and now I'm just asking everyone else, but what's like the ideal project for you to work on? Like not even necessarily your current job, like maybe, but just like the things you would like to do in your day-to-day -day job. That is a really good question. Um, I really enjoy working with customers. Um, so for me, like a project, I want to work with the customers. I also want to work with like all of the teams. So if it's something I can collaborate on with all of the people, you know, across our organization and be able to have input in various pieces and parts of the, the project, um, that's really important to me to have that, those relationships and, you know, have those interactions with people, um, yeah, I get like, does that answer the question? Is it? Yeah, is that, no, that was that was pretty good. I know I, I put you on the spot. I gotta add oh, that to my I guess template. the other thing, the other thing I would say is um, I like something that's challenging. Uh, so, you know, some days I'm banging my head against the wall with my job because it's challenging and it's stressful or whatever. But in the, at the end of the day, I'm glad that it's challenging because um, if it weren't, I would leave. And you know, it has to do with some of why I left my last job because I got bored, right? And, um, you know, wanted to try something new. So I think for me, a good project is something that I can challenge myself with, that I've got to sit there and think through how we're going to do something or how we're going to get all these people to get something done. You know, it. there's a lot of, oh, that's really vague, but, you know, something challenging. Yeah. <laughs> challenging collaboration and working with people. Yeah. Maybe I, I have to interview a, an introvert because everyone's just like, I love people. Um, <laughs> but I, I agree with you too. Yeah. I'm doing some like data entry for my job right now. It's like follow up Ooh. emails and like logging it. And it's not, not the most fun, but the, you know, that's a couple hours a day and the rest are a little better, but yeah, when you have to sit oh, there good. and like think through a problem, I feel like whether it's an engineering school or on the job, it's, you know, kind of gratifying to figure yeah. it out. Yeah, it is. And I still get to do that in my job, which I really like. Nice. Well, uh, do you have a mentor? And if so, what are they doing that you are not? Mm, that's a very good question. I probably have a couple of mentors. Um, but I would say, you know, a few of them that I can think off the top of my head, they both do that I don't, um, which I used to be better at this in college actually is actually networking internally and like meeting people across the company and just like sitting down and having chats with them. Like I do that a lot with the people on my team, like that I travel with and stuff. Um, but I, I don't think I do as well reaching out to what someone in a totally different group is doing and how they've gotten to where they're at. And I know like my boss does a good job of that. Um, and you know, one of my other mentors is constantly doing that. Um, and what I'm trying to get better at, which they both do, uh, is they're really present on LinkedIn. So I'm trying, I noticed that you, you're pretty present on LinkedIn so you're up in your game there. And I think that I need to up my game there. So interesting. Well, so I do it because I'm trying to like win over customers, but like for you, what would be your incentive to do it? Well, I think it's, you know, networking somewhat to make connections with people across 
the healthcare industry for me. Um, content's also good. Like it's good to check out, um, what other organizations are doing or what other people are doing, um, in different spaces. And, you know, there's a lot of good content that's shared on LinkedIn. Um, but I also, I do a, a, I dabble in a little bit of sales going back to my earlier comment of wearing a lot of hats, you know, mm. I do some stuff with product and I do some stuff with sales too. Um, so if I can make a connection on LinkedIn to help sell our product, that would be fantastic. My bonus is tied to that after all. So <laughs> gotcha. Everyone's in sales. No, oh, that's yeah. I I've been thinking about it. Yeah, with with some of the what you said. You feel like you've got some some selling points in there. You've got your pitch down. So yeah, I mean LinkedIn is super helpful for reaching out to people you probably wouldn't have seen anyway. And like anytime I go to an in-person event, like people don't even have business cards anymore. So you just add them right on the spot on LinkedIn. Yeah. And then it's more, you know, you you can keep up with them if they end up posting stuff. But yeah, I guess cross industry learning and exposure is something you're going for too. Yes, exactly. Trying to learn, you know, I have different connections to people who are really passionate about certain areas of healthcare. And so they'll post content about the latest thing the government's doing or what's happening in that space. And it's good to catch up on some of that. Um, and that's what I need to be better at catching up on so I can stay at the top of the industry knowledge. Very cool. Yeah, I guess you get bogged down in the day to day sometimes. But you yeah. said or you kind of mentioned one of your mentors as your boss. Is that right? Yeah. That's I think that's super helpful. I would put myself in that category too. But if you don't one like the person you're working for <laughs> and two like learn a lot from them, then you might need to switch it up. But yes, very and cool. I had a boss that I didn't like, and that was not a pleasant ah. journey. So yeah, <laughs> luckily, you, you know, got out of that situation. But yeah, I I have a great boss now who is um, a great mentor and great at you know, helping develop a, your career and grow in the area you want to grow in. And even if that's yeah. like outside of GE for me, so. Okay. Did that prompt your job switch? Uh, yes. When I, when I left Premier, I had, there was a, a, a kind of a switcheroo. Um, I won't get into the details, but yeah. <laughs> um, was reporting to someone that I wasn't too fond of, so. Not um, a mentor. So just yeah, switched it up. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, similarly, oh well, that's funny because I actually have LinkedIn in this uh in the question. So go oh. go connect with Jess on LinkedIn if you're listening. Yeah. She's trying to expand her reach. Are you open to being a mentor if someone has a question and hears this? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm happy to help in any way I can. I really enjoyed doing that at NC state for like the future students. So if I can continue that, um, I'd love to be plugged more into that space anyway. So yeah, reach out. I'm Jessica Rose. Uh, there is two Jessica Rose that work for GE healthcare. So make sure you find the right one. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. The right one will work for GE healthcare. Wait, both of them do. How do they know it's you? I guess my picture. Yeah. Okay. I'll put a picture in the show notes or something. Actually, I should do that anyway. Well, Jess, uh, it's been real. I, I feel like we talk, we don't talk much about work. We just, you know, socialize That's and true. drink beer occasionally. So it was good to actually find out what you do. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for being open to additional questions. Anything we missed? Oh, I don't think so. What's new and exciting in your work life? What's oh, keeping boy. you uh, where you're at? Um, actually I, I'll share this. I was kind of holding this back in case we went too long. Um, but what you're talking about in healthcare is like totally what I'm dealing with at work. It's like the reason why people shift to smart buildings or should be is because the data enables better decision makings. So like there are people that operate buildings, granted it's not healthcare equipment, but like heating and air equipment and lighting and elevators, like manually where they're doing checklists and like those oh, wow. are being put into software or if they're being run on software, the data logs just like delete themselves after seven days and aren't really backed up. And so like what my company says, and we're a consulting firm, which also relates, but we say you've got all this data. If you, it's not easy, but if you have a program to get all this data and like put it into your decision-making, 
um, it's not like one project. You have to like do multiple different steps, but where you get all of this data into your systems, like your CMMS or other software that helps your company function, um, then it can be very beneficial. So like the futuristic thing that we sell is like you could have your building where someone scans a QR code to get into the parking garage, like an office worker. And then it turns on the lights in their office, right? As they're walking in and it gives them a cup of coffee to their door, which Mm -hmm. knows their order and like all of this futuristic stuff. But there's also just some, just some low hanging fruit of your heating and air conditioning system might not kick on at the proper time because it, doesn't know someone's in the room or stuff like that. So anyway, as you're telling me all this, I'm like, oh, big data, you know, software, technology enabling decisions. There you go. That's cool. I hope one day I can walk into a building and I'll just have a cup of coffee. That is exactly what I would order at Starbucks (laughs) or something. That'd be pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, if anyone ever goes back to offices, but yeah, we're we're like in healthcare too. So like if you unfortunately- Oh, yeah in a hospital and you had an app that could control the lights or the heating and air or something. Oh yeah. Uh, that'd be sweet. From your bed rather than getting up or yeah, there's a lot of stuff you could do. There's a lot of opportunity, I think between smart buildings and healthcare, you know, between the there is. medical devices I've, and things. I may have recently closed a local Charlotte healthcare system. So I'm excited for that. And nice. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll send you my business card, Jess. No, you don't have to take it to your current customers, but we've got, yeah, it's just like, it's probably what a lot of people would say, like, oh, technology, big data, the future, it's the space I want to go in, it's innovative and it can help. So that's, that's a good thing. That's awesome. Well, you'll have to tell me how that project goes because I'm curious. 